guys, and welcome to Roman Go Lightly, a podcast for creative adventures. Listen, you and I have a lot in common. Like you, I am a working person and I have real world responsibilities. But despite living that 9 to 5 grind, I still want to live that adventurous creative lifestyle we all crave. So, how can we do that? Well, that's why I'm here. Roman Go Lightly is a podcast and blog that believes in local adventure and everyday creativity. Because listen, adventure doesn't require a plane ticket, and creativity is beckoning, and it's for everyone, even us working people. Join me each week as I pick the brains of some of the coolest makers and seekers out there to find out in what small ways we can infuse their practices for inspiration and adventure into our daily working lives. You in? Let's do this. Hey there, first things first, hello, I'm Laura, and I'm so excited that you're here. This podcast is the means to an end for something that I feel really, really passionate about. I love adventure, and I desire creativity in my day-to-day working life, and I'm so pumped to share all the goodness I've learned from these interviews I've had with these amazing explorers and artists. Our first guest is one of my biggest lady crushes out there. Her name is Ziza Vita, and she is the online editor for Darling Magazine. If you haven't heard of Darling Magazine, it's one of the best magazines out there right now. Um, It is a magazine that celebrates the art of being a woman, and every aspect of their brand is gorgeously curated. It's so intentional and beautiful, and it is totally encouraging for women, and not just women, but people who are trying to live a life in which their absolute best is celebrated. And Ziza is the online editor for them, and she is the true adventurer, and she's an artist of words. She's my favorite writer. Um, She also happens to have a great knack for local and foreign exploration, and in this episode, we're going to talk about her recent cross-country move to Nashville, her winding road to being a writer, and our mutual obsession with Italy. Uh, I honestly cannot think of a better first guest, so let's get started. Ziza! Hi! (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. So you've um, done a big cross-country move. How's that going? It is still going. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many components to moving. It it feels like nothing's changed. feels like everything's changed. I feel just really messy all the time, like living out of boxes and slowly putting stuff together. But it's kind of freeing and then also terrifying all at once. So... <laughs> That's awesome. So you moved from Los Angeles to Nashville, right? Correct. Yep. So did you go cross country with a car or did you, did you fly? Yes. We, yeah. So we kind of shipped up all of our stuff in two huge pods and the pods were sent ahead. And then my husband and I filled our tiny little Jetta with two suitcases and two giant dogs and drove (laughs) I-40 in three days. So it was was an adventure, you know, we're adventurers. So it was fun, but it happened really fast. So I think my head's still spinning from, oh my gosh, I live in Tennessee now and I lived in California for almost 10 years. So there's a lot of adjusting going on, but it's good. Yeah. And you saw like America, you were in America. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I drove across the country once before when I went the other way when I moved from Ohio to California. And I saw it was I took a different route and I was with my dad. And so it was interesting kind of this time driving out the other way with my husband and seeing, yeah, I've never driven through Oklahoma or even Texas, oddly enough, or even like Arizona, New Mexico, all those places. It was it was definitely interesting. America is 
a crazy, wild, vastly different country. So it was fun. Yeah. I think people totally underestimate how different the American landscapes are. Like going oh, from like yeah. Arizona and then you go like all the way up to like Oregon and you're like, how oh, is this yeah, the same absolutely. country? Well, we left like 60 degree weather, palm trees in California, and then we got to Nashville in one of their biggest snowstorms <laughs> in the last decade. So I was like, well, this is really crazy but I'm glad to be back in seasons I love seasons that was something I really missed living in California so getting to bundle up and even wear socks is kind of a novelty that I'm taking advantage of yes you can finally enjoy like sweater weather and And I love sweater weather who doesn't Southern California for so long. <laughs> so um, did you move to California to start uh, working for uh, Darling or did, were there other things going on? No. So I um, graduated college pre-med and was planning to go to medical school. And so I had gotten a research job at UCLA School of Medicine and was working there while I um, I was kind of a late bloomer. So typically med school, you take the classes, take the tests in college, and then start right after you graduate in school. And I kind of wanted to get out in the real world for a bit and do hands-on research. And so while I did that and studied for my MCAT and applied to schools, I was working in California. And so I just randomly happened to get this job I applied for in LA and moved out there to be a doctor. And then life just happened and I didn't end up doing that. And it's fine. But it was it was funny to move to Los Angeles and not be an actor or a musician um, and have a nine to five, you know, normal job because no one out there, at least in my circle, didn't really have that. So it was a very different entry to City. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that transition. So you started um, your journey to California as a medical student, and mm-hmm. then you transitioned to being a writer and being a creative. And how did so? Where did that change of heart or change of direction come from? Yeah. So um, it was kind of it kind of felt like it happened in an instant, but then it also kind of felt like my whole life had been preparing me for that. I grew up a pretty artistic kid. Um, both my parents are artists and I was always like writing or acting or dancing or doing something creative. And then somewhere along the way, I don't know if it was growing up in suburbia or um, just thinking I had to be more practical of a person. And I really liked people and I also really liked science. And so I thought, well, I'll just be a doctor. And um, around high school, just kind of switched from an art kid to a science kind of perfectionist go-getter. And um really pursued medicine for a long time. And then moving out to LA, kind of giving myself some space to really decide, okay, I have this potential to go to medical school. And I had actually been accepted to medical school back in Ohio, where I was from. Um, And I just felt, you know, like, that's a big deal (laughs) to go to school. I wanted to potentially become a surgeon. So I knew school was going to be a lot of time. And I wanted to give myself an extra year before starting. And it was really in that kind of working so hard for something and then getting it. It's really funny what your instinctual reaction is. You kind of realize, oh, my gosh, suddenly I'm so excited because I now get to go to school and be a doctor. Or it's like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. This is actually going to be my life and I'm really going to be a doctor. And so I think giving myself an extra year to work and kind of put my admission on hold. Over the course of that year, I started to realize, okay, that subconscious decision is actually 
bringing up other things in me of like, maybe I could be happier doing something else. And I, I, I am around all these creative people and I'm living in a city where people come to chase their dreams. And what's, what's my dream? Like, could I really be courageous enough to be that creative person that I always felt like I was? And, um, over the course of that year, I met and started dating my eventual husband. And so he was based in LA and just kind of all those Hollywood things of like, do I stay with the guy? Or do I go for the job? And, um, kind of realized, well, I actually, it's more honoring to myself to stay here and kind of pursue this other life that I could have. Medicine could always be there. If I really decided I wanted to be a doctor in 20 years, you know, I could do it, but, um, I thought, you know, I'm out here. I want to give myself a chance to pursue something else. And I'd always loved writing. And so I, yeah, just decided to not go to school. And um, I met, got in touch with Darling because a, a girlfriend who I had, she had this idea for a magazine. And I didn't think anything was going to come of it, to be honest. She just asked for articles. And I'm really passionate about women and women believing what's true about themselves. And so just started writing and it became the magazine, it became a position eventually. So it just kind of all culminated in where I am now, even though I never would have imagined it. It's like the short version, I guess. (laughs) Well, it's quite a journey. I think what you were talking about being courageous, like Mm -hmm. um, you are, it sounds like you're a true like left brain and right brain, like like mashup. (laughs) For sure. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, being, do you think being in LA sort of inspired that like courage within you to like give this like artistic writing side of you a try? Absolutely. I think you really um, like your community is really important. Like nature versus nurture, you're kind of shaped as much as your own independent person. You are also shaped by the people you hang out with and the environments that you immerse yourself in. And I think because I lived in kind of um, a very traditional or just a a typical, um, not that people in the Midwest aren't brave, don't get me wrong, but just people pursuing very set tracks of like, that is a job you pursue. You pursue this thing, you pursue that thing. And, um, growing up feeling like, okay, I have to like have a serious job and do real things. And, um, then being in LA and kind of being surrounded by people who think differently from me or just decided to give themselves, you know, a couple years to chase their dream. And if that doesn't work out, okay. You know, at least, at least they tried, at least they put themselves out there. And I think I've always been like a courageous person in my mind, but typically when it came to like actually acting on something, I'm like, mm, I'm going to do the the safer thing because I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to be made a fool of. And being in LA, they're just such a different mix of people who don't care what they look like. who don't care if they fail. They just kind of put themselves out there. And I think being in that environment for so long, I was like, you know what? Anyone could put themselves out there. They just have to try. And, um, so I think reaching a point where it was partly realizing, okay, why am I pursuing medicine? This is kind of society's expectation of me. This is a really noble thing an honorable thing. And I want people to look up to me and I want people to, uh, you know, think I did a really great thing, but really that's not what I want to do. So what do I want to do? And what do I like doing? What have I always enjoyed doing? And it had always been writing and, um, being a more like artistic person. And thankfully my parents, they had actually lived in San Francisco for about 10 years before I was born. And then that's where I was born. So I kind of grew up to my parents, um, kind of really nurture that in me as well. And like, 
allowed me to not feel so crazy for like, are you sure you want to be a doctor? And when I decided I didn't want to be, they're like, Hey, you know, if it makes you happy, like pursue what makes you happy. So, um, I feel really grateful that my parents always had my back regardless if it was the most, um, safe decision or not. It's so important to have that too, right? Like for sure. Having just a family or even just a community of support. It's, I mean, it just, it makes you more bold. Yeah. Absolutely. So you were really there for the groundwork of where Darling started. It's just an idea. So um, did you ever sort of, I mean, you you talked a little bit about your interest in writing about women and um, becoming the true and good um, women that they are. Uh, is that something that you always felt drawn to to write about even before Darling came around? Um. I think so. I think more than, I mean, well, when I was really younger, I really liked writing fictional stories with like a strong, heroic female character who kind of discovered herself. I don't know, maybe all girls think that. Maybe it has to do with growing up in like the Disney age of princesses and, you know, being the heroine of your own story kind of thing. Um, and I think I, so I mainly, when I would write as a, as a younger girl, it was mainly fiction. But then as I got older, school kind of inhibited me from writing more expressive things just because it was so science heavy. Um, but, and so I think my idea and the way that I've loved writing for a while actually kind of expressed itself just through relationships. And when I would talk with people or, um, I really value like intentional one-on-one conversations. I'm an INFJ personality. So I'd rather have like two solid deep friends that I can talk about like really meaty stuff with versus, kind of being that extrovert that just gets to know everybody and has a a ton of friends. Um, And so I think having been being fortunate enough to have a lot of really solid girlfriends in my life over time, I just, the things that I would talk about or the things that would come up and the things that I found myself like really championing in others' lives and even for myself kind of just overflowed. And um, I mean, Darling started as an idea of that, of that same thing of out of conversations, out of getting to know women and what, women were struggling with and what women hoped for themselves. And so all of those little conversations that girlfriends have with each other, the magazine was like birthed from that idea of like, okay, can we create something that is, is tangible, that is physical, that kind of represents all of those conversations. And so for me, um, writing for Darling, whether it was, you know, I think I might have even, one of my first articles might've been about sleep or was like more like medically based. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was from a, a standpoint of like, we need rest because we have to be able to give our full self to someone. And so when we work on, when we, when we treat ourselves, when we allow ourselves to rest physically and even spiritually and emotionally and all this stuff that actually enables us to give our best self to other people. And so, and even in being wanting to be a doctor, it was always because I loved connecting with people and I want to find out where people are hurting, where don't people feel seen or feel known. And I, I want to enter into that place with them. So, um, in a weird way, like medicine was kind of my like separate route to like doing the thing that writing actually can also do. And so it's all kind of interconnected if that makes sense. But I think any woman's issue really stems from, a woman as a person. And, um, I hope that that's when I write, I get to talk to people as, as people and not just here's a topic. And I feel like I'm well-versed in this topic. So I want you to know my knowledge of this topic. You know, it's like, who's that person that's going to be reading what I'm writing. And it's kind of like, I just want to have a conversation through words. Well, that's so evident. I mean, when, when I read your writing and of course, um, you know, darling is just 
a great curation of words and true and good things, whether it's images or the way it's styled or, you know, the writing pieces like your own. But I mean, when when I read your pieces, I've always felt like it was a very like intimate conversation within, I mean, maybe even not a close friend, but just with another woman who is like minded. Um, and I don't know, I think there's so much power in really good writing that can get to the like the raw and honest, but also personable level when mm-hmm. you talk to it, another woman. So, I mean, <laughs> don't mind me. I'm just, you know. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that's that's really great to hear. It's funny. I don't usually hear you, like, write things and you put it out there. But people can be really impacted by it, but you never know. Right. So, or unless it's, like, my mom or, <laughs> you know, like, a best friend who's like, that was great. But you just, it's really crazy to actually end up hearing that. Like, you think, you hope someday that that's the case. But, um I don't know. I guess that's real. I'm glad. I'm glad you feel that way. No, it's just so funny because like the internet, especially, I mean, you do the um, social uh, online writing, online online editing, right? Yeah. So like, it's so, it's such a weird space because of course you have a comment section where people could say those things, but a lot of the time, I mean, people comment based on their feelings about the topic, not necessarily about the art and in which it was presented. Um, yeah. so yeah, I feel like that's the conversation that doesn't happen, but it should be happening more for you because you are an extremely talented writer and I'm so glad that you're here and you're participating. So oh, let's, you. let's like dig a little bit deeper with like your adventurous and, uh, traveling muse self. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. this, it. this being online editing, definitely, are you location independent with this job? Yes. Um, for the most part, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the technical nature of my job, um, I just need a keyboard and a mouse, and I can do it. Um, I, As far as the Darling team, um, it's helpful. To, we're really trying to be more um, – sorry, my dog is <laughs> – No problem at all. Um, um, so as, as far as, like, the Darling team, we've really worked hard to make sure that online and print do feel cohesive and so there is an element of relationally just being in the office with the other girls or when something comes in or knowing that something's coming down the pipe like there's just a an ease of being in an office with the other girls to help stuff happen but at the same time because what I do is pretty independent and don't I don't really need anyone else immediately um, I might need, you know, a girl to shoot some photos or to do a quick styled shoot in the studio. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I can pretty much work from anywhere. And kind of coming from a very structured, regimented background in academics and the science world, it it's helpful for me to have, like, a routine. So I'm actually a really good remote person because I'm like, okay, I'm sitting down. These are my, like, scheduled time in front of the computer, and I'm getting stuff done, and then I'm able to um, – you know, leave or go and do somewhere else. So it's not, whereas for some people that might be really hard to like be disciplined in being remote. For me, it's, it's helpful because I can kind of be autonomous, but I also like giving myself a schedule and sticking to it. So, so, um, you've been all, you've quite like the passport collection. Um, Uh, (laughs) I try. Yeah. So can you tell the listeners who, um, don't know where you've been, where have you been? Yeah, um, let's see. So mainly Europe. Um, I didn't travel a ton growing up, so I think I kind of bottled up an adventurous spirit to kind of break free once I hit my 20s. But um, I would say, let's see, where have I been? Um, London, Paris, 
uh, Germany, um, Slovenia, Croatia, Italy, Budapest, um, Panama, I think Ireland. <laughs> I think, I think, I think. I think I think that that sounds about right. <laughs> I think right I I think I started following your Instagram around the time you were in Budapest, and I was oh, like, okay. oh, oh my oh, gosh, that is really good. Then I seemed really cool then. <laughs> <laughs> no, stuck with pictures of my dog, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, seriously, um, I'm so, I've always wanted to go to Budapest, but I remember like following you around the time you were there, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. It's a great, you know, I think. Um, Europe is just so rich with so much. I mean, you could be in Paris or London, one of you know the most well-known cities, or you could be in the middle of nowhere. And I feel like there's always a way to find a reason to enjoy Europe. Just I think coming from America, and we're such a baby country, and um, I love history. And um, my family is actually pretty new to America. My my I'm first generation on my dad's side, and then. Um, third generation my, my mom's parents were from Italy so I think I just grew up feeling more of a kinship with Europe than America um, and so yeah Budapest to go back to Budapest is just such a great like all of the country of Hungary I just feel like we didn't get to go too much around there but um, even just taking the train through it was really fun and it's surprisingly affordable like that was we actually went there because when we were looking for flights it was the cheapest to fly into Budapest out of almost all of the other European cities. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's check out Budapest. I'm like, why don't more people come to Budapest? This is amazing. Perk. I mean, <laughs> being cheap and being as like, I mean, it's I just know. so diverse too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so much history and it, it felt more, um, I think being so East, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but there was so much art there, like street art and art like an artisan culture and a young culture I think there's a lot of at least one or a few I couldn't quite tell but there are a lot of like younger college students there so that just gave the city this like vibrant progressive feel in the midst of such rich historical um, monuments and museums and yeah I loved it anyone that could go should go but not too much because I don't want it to be overrun (laughs) overrun with tourists yeah um so other than Budapest is there you sort of talked about this kinship with Europe um is there a place you've traveled to that you feel connected to or you felt inspired by particularly um Italy Italy is my place I could never go anywhere else in Europe and just go to Italy and be completely fine that was the first place I went when I actually left the country um for the first time and my grandmother was Sicilian and so I grew up just feeling this oh yeah I'm Italian I know what it means to be Italian and that just came second nature to me but actually going finally getting to Italy and landing there for the first time just felt like oh my gosh I'm home in a place I never knew I left like it even down to like talking with my hands or talking so fast or being passionate about things like just Italy has this this zest and this um, spirit that just kind of is its own. I just want to bottle it up. It's just kind of its own um, unique vibe, I guess. That compared to anyone else anywhere else in Europe, Italians are just like, yeah, we're we're Italian first and anything else second, and that's just really noble, I think, and kind of refreshing that a, a country and a people just owns who they are and um, they're not cold by any means. They, you know, just get what matters in life, like food, good wine, family, and they just kind of let all the other stuff fade out when it doesn't suit them. And 
yeah, I could always, always go back to Italy. I'm actually, through um, my great-grandfather, able to apply for dual citizenship to Italy. Oh, that's so, so awesome. I, I know. I've been in the process of doing all of that paperwork. So hopefully, because um, again, Italians just want to honor the right of the blood, which is what it's called, to request citizenship through blood. Um, which is so dramatic and I love that (laughs) as well, but uh, yeah, so that is, I think that's the place that kind of holds me to Europe and knowing just my ancestors' stories, the, the bravery of having to leave a country and, you know, the 1920s and, you know, that just the different, it's a different, um, life and going back there just feels like, okay, I want to, I want to be here. I like who I am when I'm here. I like the pace of life when I'm here, all of that. I I can't even tell you how much you've just like preached to me because I when when I was writing this out I mean like I always think about oh what would my answer be it's Italy it's always going to be Italy I I mean it was my first experience abroad but living mm-hmm. in Rome for a bit and I'm similarly me too oh my gosh um similarly my grandfather is of the blood and <laughs> he lived in Calabria which is actually right by Sicily um mm-hmm. And yeah, so he, I felt particularly like drawn to Italy too, just knowing that, you know, it should, that you just feel sort a sort of hominess to it, knowing that your ancestors come from there. But I mean, they just, they totally know what's good in life. Food, long dinners, yep. not worrying about, I mean, every time it was so funny, you go out in Rome and no one looks like they're in a rush. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. The waiter just comes, drops off your food and then lets you enjoy it. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, they just the the La Bella Vida man. It's just that's how it is. For sure. So dual citizenship. Have you ever thought about moving there, like um, oh, for I, a longer I, term? Oh my gosh! I when I found out that the dual citizenship was um a potential, I was like, oh, this is just one more open door. It's funny actually. When I went to Italy the very first time, it was still when I was in my med school phase and I remember thinking like wait how is this gonna work I know I have to live in Italy someday but I'm gonna be a doctor like how can I be a doctor an American doctor in Italy how does that work and um so it's just funny because now I'm like well I'm not a doctor anymore but I do now have the ability to get citizenship so it seems like the Italy door is opening wider um and other doors have closed so who knows I I would definitely love to and not say no. <laughs> yeah, why would you? So what are your thoughts um, on why people should choose um, an adventurous life and why should they choose travel in their life? Oh, man. Um, I know it's it's the real. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I mean, I would say humans, I think all humans were kind of hardwired with a desire to seek awe and to see to see something bigger than ourselves and to um, experience grandeur and beauty. And um, I think travel is a huge way that we can make that happen or that um, we're kind of exposed to things that we wouldn't otherwise be exposed to. And um, humans, you know, we're also creatures of comfort, myself included. Um, I love kind of what's safe and within my comfort zone. But deep down, I think we all know I for sure know that I come alive when I engage with things that challenge me and push me and remind me that life is like, yes, we have senses to survive, but we also have senses to experience things and it's kind of what life is about. And so, you know, whether it's getting on a 
train or a plane or a boat and actually seeking travel right there or even just challenging yourself to think, you know, what's maybe the not so comfortable thing to do in this moment? Maybe it's talking to that person who I wouldn't otherwise talk to or, you know, think to take the longer route home from work and see something new, like just getting outside of our comfort zones. There's so much richness to be lived there. And um, so, yeah, you can definitely live an adventurous life and not have any stamps in your passport at all. But um, travel kind of expedites that sense, I think. Right. Um, do you think that escapism and this um, this push to get out and see the world, it, even if that isn't necessarily becoming an expat, but going mm-hmm. out and adventuring in your own hometown even, do you think that that can be a means for people to find inspiration in their art form? Oh, absolutely. I think whenever we experience something different, even if it's another part of our own town, we gain perspective. We kind of see um, what the world around us needs, you know, like experiencing um, different environments help us to realize, okay, well, I'm passionate about that. Or discovering a new artist, you realize, wait, why am I drawn to that? Why am I intrigued by that? Or seeing, you know, the Malfi coastline or um, hills in Ireland, just beauty can spark some really great ideas. And when we're kind of outside of what we always known that kind of opens up other doors in our mind we didn't know needed to be open and we get a chance to um just kind of get to know ourselves more in the midst of that to kind of slough off things that maybe were weighing us down or holding us back or just really don't matter and we always thought they did to kind of remove those scales we can see things differently and I think that's where really great art comes from when it's authentic to the artist and the person making it and is also you know, clued into um, kind of letting other people discover what they're passionate about and what are they good at or what would they like to try. And I think travel and kind of getting outside of yourself um, is always necessary. Wow. You nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. That was, that was awesome. Thank you. I mean, (laughs) I feel inspired just by that. (laughs) So a big portion of um, what the podcast is for and about um, is for people who maybe are they're on the verge of maybe making a choice to be more adventurous in their life, but they may not necessarily have the means to book a flight abroad at this moment. Mm -hmm. They're obviously curious about it. They have a passion for exploring and maybe traveling abroad for a time, but um for those people who don't necessarily have the means to book that flight abroad, what advice would you send their way? I would say cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eat. Um, it's funny. I mean, when you go to another country, food is usually a key indicator of that culture, what, you know, the soil or the environment or the people, when they eat, how they eat, why they eat, what they do. And I think something we kind of forget about is, you know, we might not have the means or the time or the ability to go um, drop, you know, thousand dollars on an abroad plane ticket, but we can go to the library and there's so many printed books. Let's not forget about paper. Um <laughs> To, and, usually, and, and a good cookbook will kind of give an intro to that style of cooking and just getting your, your senses involved, whether it's, you know, going and spending, you know, dropping 20 bucks and getting a bunch of ingredients you wouldn't normally use, stepping outside your comfort zone and then going in your kitchen. And even if you completely mess up and it's an inedible meal, inedible meal at least, you know, the, the smells and the tastes, like all of that will kind of expose you to 
a culture or a country or a region of the world. And it's funny how much that can be its own little escape in, you know, in place of a bigger escape. But I think cooking at times when I'm even feeling really like wanderlustful and I'm on Instagram, I'm like, Oh my gosh, everyone's traveling all the time. And, um, but I'll just like decide, you know, putting some garlic and olive oil in a pan and opening some red wine. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in Italy for even just the rest of tonight. And so I think for anyone who is curious, the kitchen is not far and anyone can go there and discover a new world. Isn't it amazing how even the opposite way, like if you're feeling like nostalgic for a trip that you went on, um, how just doing a simple recipe can like bring that back almost instantaneously. We, oh, oh for sure. Like, oh my you were oh. talking about in the kitchen and how close it is when we just go out and buy the ingredients to make cacio e pepe. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm back. Oh. Yeah. And like taking that time because that's really what. I hope, like, when I travel, it's so easy for me to be like, oh, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm just going to live in the moment and enjoy the simple things. And then I come back, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to microwave a burrito (laughs) and, you know, like, watch TV and zone out versus even just taking an hour and, like, getting my hands dirty again and, like, creating a meal and saving it. It matters so much more. I'm like, this is who I want to be when I'm abroad traveling, like I want to be this like slow living person. And that kind of reminds me in that moment, like, Oh, I'm actually doing what I wanted to do over there. What inspired me over there. I'm actually being changed because I traveled and, and taking that time. So I, and I love food. I always am the girl who like comes home with five different olive oils or um, (laughs) different sugars or something, you know, like I always want to eat everything, but Um, Yeah, I think the kitchen and cooking and, you know, how scent and how taste can unlock memories and make it feel like it was yesterday you were wherever you were longing to be. It's a great thing. You're a girl after my own heart. (laughs) Yes. Two truths and a lie. So tell me three things. Two are true and one's a lie. Um, I'm never good at this game, so (laughs) just forewarning. Um, but I would say one is that I have three tattoos. Um, two would be I've never had the flu and, uh, or three, wait, three tattoos, never had the flu. The third one would be I can take out a mouse heart in 30 seconds. (laughs) What? Oh my gosh. Uh, Never had the flu. That is, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> I'm going to say your lie. That's your lie. You've never had it's the flu. It's not my lie. <gasps> what? My lie is that I have three tattoos. I only have two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> tricky. Okay. So how have you never gotten the flu? How are you that lucky? I, I don't know. I think, I mean, and that could be a lie, but I... I, the most I think about it, like I get head colds, like really bad sinus infections. But as far as being diagnosed with influenza, the chills and the vomiting, I just somehow have never, I don't ever remember being sick in that way. So it's usually just a stuffed up head and a migraine. Is you are when I've so lucky. So, and I, I mean, I've had food poisoning, like I've been a sick person, but just when people talk about getting the flu, I'm like, I don't 
Thankfully, I mean, knock on wood, watch, I've moved back, you know, <laughs> to the Midwest and I'm going to be sick this year, but I've never had to get the flu shot. I don't know. So hopefully I didn't just jinx myself, but and, I really don't think I've had it, thankfully. <laughs> and what's up with the mouse heart? How, how'd you learn that? So when I was doing research uh, at UCLA, I was in the cardiovascular research lab. And so my job, because they were studying arrhythmias and what prompted the heart to malfunction. So my, one of my jobs was to take out a mouse heart. Um, so I hope I'm not offending any PETA listeners. Um, I'm a vegetarian, which is funny that I was the girl that did that, but I would have to harvest a live heart out of an animal and then isolate the cells. And it was all very technical, but necessary. It was for good, you know, to prevent someone's child or husband dying. Um, they were brave little mice, but yeah. So I learned how to take out a heart really fast. That is crazy. Wow. I don't know when in life that will ever suit me, but if you ever have a pest problem and they're having (laughs) problems, there you go. Yeah. It's, I am not afraid of mice. So if you had a slogan to go with your personality or life this far, what would it be? I think simply you never know. (laughs) that's a great one that's such a great one (laughs) i mean med student to writer for darling magazine you never know you you never know california to nashville you never know never know you never ever know okay so what would your dream day look like oh man um well italy would definitely be involved um probably waking up in italy somewhere um, seeing sunshine on hardwood floors and having like a sweet, crisp breeze and, um, kind of infuse the house. And then walking down to a local cafe where the owner knows my name and I just sit and read a book and sip coffee. Um, and then either stay there long enough to start drinking wine and, have some cheese or go home and have like just a really great dinner with a few friends where we cook and we're sitting around the table. Just basically your Italian day (laughs) is my dream day. Like that's kind of, I love just slow, simple with good things and can't get better than Italy. So maybe that should be my slogan. Can't get better than Italy. (laughs) You never know. And you can't give, you can't get better than Italy. (laughs) Totally. What sounds like that is a dream day of mine for sure. Yeah. Well, you could come. We could just have our little yes. trip and have those days together. It's a date. <laughs> I'll meet you there. Okay. So this is my favorite one to ask. Um, what do you really and truly love? Oh, man. Um, okay. I would say hope. I bet you thought I was going to say Italy, <laughs> um, which could definitely be the answer. But I would say hope because I really – I love knowing that there's always hope, that we don't know everything. We really don't know how things will turn out. And even if our worst fear happens, there's always something great that can manifest. We just don't know. Like, And I think having hope and knowing that we don't know it all and um, something great could really be around the corner, like holding on for hope, waiting in hope, believing in hope, loving in hope, all of those things. I think hope. Um, oh, it's my dog. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I love that hope exists because I would not want to live a life without hope. I wouldn't want to live in a world where there wasn't hope and hope, I think, sparks the best things. So I really love it. That's wonderful. I think (laughs) you never know, have hope. That's like your thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's 
But I try anyway. I'm also in my mind, sometimes I'm like a really anxious and worrisome person. So I have to start like telling myself that, like, remember, remember all those things that you say, you think, you believe. Yeah, believe those. <laughs> Honestly, Ziza, this has been great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I, this has been awesome. This feels like a fun convo with a friend. So. That's exactly what I'm going for. <laughs> we'll have to figure out a way for us to meet up in Italy, man. We got to do it. I'm telling you. Or if you're in Nashville. Oh my gosh! I don't know when I'll get to rural Pennsylvania. No, you never know. Hey, I mean, if you're gonna stop by Philly, I know the best place for soup dumplings, and I mean, it's a whole new adventure. Yeah, but I love Nashville. It's such a cool little city. It's it's grown on me. I'm liking her more and more each day. (laughs) Yeah, it's like an adventure every day down there for you, right? I mean, it is, and there's a lot of good places to eat, so I'm happy. Of course, (laughs) food is the way to the soul. So, oh, for sure. Okay, well, I am, I'm so thankful for this, and I will be in touch, and we'll have to figure out that trip. I mean, this yep. has been awesome. Yeah, so, so, so much. Thank you, Laura. And there it is. Thank you so much, Ziza. We seriously have to get on that trip. So listen, guys, um, we will be back this same time next week. And in the meantime, if you liked what you hear or if you're hungry for more resources to lead that adventurous, creative lifestyle that you crave, be sure to check out RomanGoLightly.com. Follow us on Instagram at Roman Go Lightly, and most importantly, subscribe and rate the podcast. I'm actually giving away three $20 Amazon gift cards and a beautiful set of travel prints my for my favorite three comments, so get witty. I know you can. Those ratings and reviews make it easier for other listeners to find this lovely little podcast, and I would oh so appreciate it if you could do that. So until then, I hope you get out there and you get going, and I will see you next week. <laughs>